Amen. If you have your copy of Scripture, we're in Acts chapter 19 this morning. Acts chapter 19. Book of Acts is in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We've uh, been in a journey through the book of Acts, and we're going to continue that, hopefully finish that up uh, soon. After that, uh, my plan is to... um, do a study through the book of Jonah, and then after that, um, we will launch into a study through the book of Hebrews. So, if you want to know where we're heading, that gives you an idea of where we are going to be going. Acts chapter 19, I know the, the graphic I put up, and, and in the bulletin it says uh, verses 10 through 20, uh, we're actually going to look at verses 11 through 20. This morning, Acts chapter 19. I've entitled this message, Used by God or Using God. Um, I think as we read this, perhaps you will get an understanding of why that's the title. We're reading from the English Standard Version this morning, Acts 19, 11 through 20. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul. So that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick. And their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this, but the evil spirits answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers came, confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver, And so the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Now, we're not going to have a book burning or CD burning or anything like that this morning. So just to put you at ease, just in case you thought we might be doing that. Okay. We're not going to be doing that uh, this morning. But we do want to see this idea of being used by God versus using God. As we read this text, I'm certain that perhaps if you're like me, you may read in awe as we notice what is going on. There are certainly those that that read this and believe that we should be experiencing today the same kinds of signs and wonders as we see laid out here in this passage of Scripture. In fact, many in Pentecostal denominations have made such claims. They made claims early on in the, in the beginning of 
the Pentecostal denomination, but it was not until sometime uh, in the early 1970s when a man by the name of John Wilbur, who was a founder of the Vineyard Churches, began claiming that miracles like this, like we read here, should be part of the regular experience of the church. Much of what they said hinged on these verses and verses found in the Gospel of John where Jesus said that his followers would do greater works than he himself did. Uh, he said that in John fourteen twelve. In fact, in many of my conversations with those that are Pentecostals today, uh, they will appeal to that exact same verse. Well, they'll say, well, Jesus said that his followers would do greater works. And often the claim was, and still is today, that the reason that we don't see miracles perhaps like this in our churches today is because, well, we just lack faith. And that's the reason why we don't see them. In fact, there have been classes offered on how to speak in tongues and even classes offered on signs and wonders. And some would even say and teach that if signs and wonders are are uh, not a part of the preaching that's going on today, then we're not preaching the gospel as it should be preached. There are, in fact, thousands that flock to churches today in hopes of some sort of miraculous healing that they could possibly experience. They go to these churches where these miracles are claimed to be happening, and so people with sicknesses, illnesses, incurable diseases go in hopes to experience something beyond what this world has to offer in hopes of being healed. In fact, there are people perhaps even right here in our church right now that suffer. They, they suffer from different diseases, from, from something that maybe there's no cure for. And I often pray for them. And if God miraculously were to heal them, I would rejoice in that. The truth is, I believe there are times that God does heal. And we should pray that if God's will is that he would heal someone, then he would do that. If I'm perfectly honest, if I dealt with someone that had the gift of healing, then I would bring them into, into church. I'd say, oh, well, you got the gift of healing. Come on in here. Do some healing. Or I'd encourage those I know that have disease to go see this person that has the gift of healing. And I suppose I question the theology of those that say they have such a gift, especially when I compare it to what we see Jesus doing when he performed miracles. Luke, in our passage this morning, makes it clear that these miracles were extraordinary. Which honestly seems to be an understatement even for the Apostle Paul. We should do well to note that, the, that um, with the exception of Philip and Stephen, those who worked miracles like this were, um, were either apostles or close to the apostles. That's what we have recorded in Scripture. It also seemed clear that according to Hebrews chapter 2, that the purpose of these miracles was to confirm the message of salvation that Jesus had proclaimed, or what Jesus had proclaimed, and that the apostles were 
proclaiming themselves. We have no record in Scripture of miracles being a normative, everyday occurrence. In fact, it seems like, um, uh, like when we read the Scriptures, uh, miracles were clustered around key events in order to bring glory to God. In this passage today, we have a clear contrast between Paul, who's being used by God on one hand, and these sons of Sceva, who are trying to use God in order to duplicate some sort of miracle. And there's no doubt about it. It's kind of funny to picture these men thinking they have uh, they have things all together and, and thinking that they're going to go in there and they're going to take care of this this demon in the name of Jesus or by the authority of Paul and they go in to do it and they find themselves stripped naked and sent running, barely making it out with their lives. I believe there's a great lesson for us to learn from this passage of scripture for us and for anyone for that matter. And this is, this is uh, the lesson is either we can be used by God to bring him glory or we can try to use God to bring us glory. And that's exactly what we see laid out in this passage of Scripture. Whereas Paul is being used by God according to God's will to bring God glory, we have these charlatans trying to use God according to their will, trying to bring themselves glory. They are trying to treat God like He's some sort of genie in a bottle, like He's uh, in a magic lamp, and if they rub it, He will come out and give them their wishes. And like we see people even today try to treat God the same exact way. They call on Him when something is needed or when we are desperate and then we put Him back on the shelf until we need Him again at another desperate situation or another bad time. And many Christians try to use God for whatever they desire as if God is going to grant them little favors in their life. And then when God does not come through for them or grant them their favor, they look somewhere else. There is no desire for Jesus to be the Lord of their life. Instead, they are Lord of their own life. Their desire is to please self. And when Jesus doesn't work as they had hoped he would, they quickly turn to something else. So this morning, as we look at this passage of scripture, I want to first start off with a negative. Do not... Try to use God for personal gain. Do not try to use God with, for personal gain. The issue is not whether God will bless people or not. The issue is, is not whether God grants people salvation. That comes to Him in faith, or the, the people that come to Him in faith. We see over and over again in Scripture where God pours out His blessings on people so we know that God blesses people and we see over and over again where people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ so we know that that takes place we see those things happen but what I'm talking about here is when we come to God to use him when we come to him to test him out you know to give him a, a test drive to see if he works where we are still Lord of our own lives, but we're seeing if God really will grant us the wishes that 
we have. If God does work somehow, then, then we want to use Him and we, we need Him and we bargain with Him and we say that, that we will uh, determine to do whatever it is you know, that, that we, we set out to do if only God will come through for us. And so when someone close to us is sick, we seek Him then. Or when we're sick, we seek Him then. Or when we need a new job, then we really get serious about God. Or when we need a little extra cash, we get serious about God. In fact, sometimes we name it and claim it. We command God to do what we want. Now, before you think this is crazy talk, before you think, well, there's nobody that really does that, do they? Do they really? Are there people that really try to command God to do what they, what they want Him to do? Yeah. There are those that are in the, the Word of Faith movement that teach that very thing. They're teaching that you are in control and that God can't do anything unless you give Him permission so you have to give God permission to do something. So if you want something, then you have to give God permission to do it. Can I just tell you, church, that that's heresy? That's nowhere in Scripture. God is the sovereign Lord of this universe. He's not subject to man. He's not subject to you or I. He's not your servant as if he's running around looking to just please you and make you as happy as he possibly can. God acts according to his will and not according to our will. And what God decides to do, he does. He wills and moves all of heaven if he so chooses to do it at his will. And not at yours or mine. These sons of Sceva, they had a real issue. Didn't they? They had a problem. They wanted to use God. For their own purpose. And I believe it reveals to us ways in which we try to use God for our own purpose today. Excuse me, my microphone's giving me all kinds of problems up here. But um, we try to use God for our own purpose and before you say, well, pastor, I don't, I don't know that, that I try to use God for, for my own purpose. Let's look at verses 13 and 14 real quick. Maybe something can be revealed to us here. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims, seven sons, of, uh, seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. These guys, okay, it says they're itinerant. These guys were going from town to town. That's what it means when it says they were itinerant. So they are going from town to town, making a living out of supposedly casting out demons. Luke identifies them as the sons of Skiva, who was the uh, Jewish high priest, it says, or Jewish chief priest. There's no record of a Jewish chief priest by that name. So either he was a member of a high priestly family or what was more likely is he took on that name or that title for himself so he could impress other people claiming to be a chief priest. Now, remember 
where we are. We're in Ephesus, right? That's where Paul's at, if you've been following along with us. And Ephesus, as we said before, was known for their magic arts. And so these guys, I am sure, had a bag full of tricks that they, that they would use and probably uh, different spells, different incantations, different rituals that they would use to kind of shock the people and, and the people would be in awe of what they have done. And they would try to gain some power over the evil spirits by invoking the name of a more powerful spirit being. And so they had heard about Paul and all of his success and he was having all this great success by, by the name of Jesus Christ. And they figured, hey, we're going to add that to our bag of tricks. This Paul, he must be a powerful guy. However, they found out there was a problem because they had no clue how these things actually worked. They had no clue about what they were dealing with. And, and they were glad to just make it out of their alive. And what I don't want us to miss is this, though they could use spiritual power to make some money, God had not called these men nor had he sent them to do what they were doing. They were not doing what they were doing because they wanted to help hurting people. They were doing it to make some extra cash. Now, before you think, well, well, are you saying that pastors should not be paid because, you know, they're doing the work of the Lord and that sort of thing? I'm not saying that. Trust me, I'm not saying that. Okay? <laughs> Scripture is clear. On that, when it tells us that those elders who rule well should be paid for their labors, and in fact, it says they're worthy of, of a double portion. So, if you want to know how much to pay the pastor, just take your salary and double it. That's what you should pay the pastor. Anyway, uh, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching, 1 Timothy 5 tells us that. Additionally, those who go out in missionary service or for evangelism should be compensated uh, for their labors. This is far different than what we see that's going on here. It's far different than what we see by so-called faith healers that we watch on TV sometimes. Some of these folks make a fortune peddling their heretical garbage off on people and people follow it and they listen to it and they're like, oh man, this is the greatest thing. And unsuspecting people give their money and they, they send their money and most of these people are elderly people and these people have these these. Faith healers have nice cars and they live in mansions and they eat at fancy restaurants and they stay at five-star hotels and they demand large sums of money in order to come and have a crusade and they live in luxury while those who support their ministry are often living in poverty and their excuse is, well, if, they, if only they had enough faith. If they had faith like I have faith, they wouldn't be living in poverty. And if you want to show your faith, you need to make a good contribution to their ministry because that's proof that you have faith. And these people are fleecing the flock. They're serving money and they're not serving God. And folks, let me be clear. There's nothing wrong with a pastor making money. There's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with a pastor even making a fairly comfortable living. But there is a lot wrong when someone demands exorbitant amounts of money or cash to live with. And sometimes we get caught up into this, this very thing. Like we want to try to use God in order to gain money. Pastors do it and we do it. We try to, try to make an appeal to God for financial gain. Secondly, 
We try to use God to make the scriptures say what we want. That never really happens today, does it? Try to use God to make the scripture say what we want. These guys were in disobedience to the word of God, but they didn't care. They just wanted to use God's word to get what they wanted. If one thing did not work, they would try something else. And so if Paul was to have such great success by using the name of Christ, then they sure would use the name of Jesus as well. And they must have been seeing some sort of results or they would not have been able to keep on doing what they were doing, but they were not obedient to the word of the Lord and they just used it to say what they wanted it to say, to try to gain some sort of results. And we see this today. We see people that have no regard for the truth of Scripture or the context of a passage of Scripture. They take the Word of God and they manipulate it to say what they want it to say in order, in order to uh, feel good about themselves or in order to kind of make their point, in order to get what they want out of Scripture. This is the way of the church oftentimes. I mean, think about it. The church often overemphasizes the feel-good parts of the Bible. Because, well, we don't want to scare anybody off. We don't want someone to come in and, and hear a, a message that's scary. They might not come back. We don't deal with difficult doctrines in Scripture because, well, that's just not what people want to hear. People want to know how they can have a successful life. We use 12-step programs that are loosely based on Scripture and different psychological counseling techniques to help people cope with their problems, never mind submitting to the Lordship of Christ. Pastors run out to the next great conference that promises to double the church, your size of church in the next year. And they sign up. If you follow these steps that we loosely base on Scripture, then your church will grow. These sons of Sceva probably could have been on staff at many churches today. So often, we try to use God to make the scripture say what we want it to say. And we make this appeal. Well, God, God's word says. God's word says this. Says what I want it to say. Says what I need it to say. I'm dropping stuff out of my Bible. Right? Third part of that. We try to use God dabbling in satanic supernatural practices we try to use God in dabbling with satanic or dabbling in satanic supernatural practices these guys were involved in the occult they tried to manipulate demons by other demonic power for their own advantage these guys ended up getting hurt and not their feelings or their emotions hurt they were physically beaten because they ran into powers that were far greater than they had anticipated now perhaps you'd say well well Pastor, I don't get involved in satanic or supernatural practices. I, I don't involve myself in that kind of stuff. I don't have a pentagram drawn on my floor or anything like that. However, sometimes Christians dabble into satanic practices without even realizing it. 
I have a friend who was at one time heavily into these practices. She's now a believer, but she writes about some of the ways Christians engage in these practices unknowingly. Sometimes it's through visualization techniques or through certain types of meditation going on. In fact, even when I was in seminary, uh, going through a seminary class, I wrote a letter to the seminary because one of the books that, that I had to read for my seminary education talked about different meditative techniques for your prayer life, and they were using some things based upon Hindu philosophy. And so I said, why are we using this book for seminary folks? They never responded back, but um, sometimes we use these things unknowingly. Many of these word faith pastors will tell you, speak things into existence. This is a practice of the occult. They say, God will do what you speak. I watched one of these guys talk about how he spoke a Corvette into his possession one time. He tells a story of how he basically saw a Corvette and he thought, oh, I'd really like one of those Corvettes and this is not. And he goes on this elaborate story and talks about how he spoke this Corvette into his existence. And at the end of his message, this guy walked up and just handed him the keys to this Corvette and said, here you go. There's things like astrology and fortune telling, tarot cards, Ouija boards that are directly related to demonic activity that we think are just innocent. That's just an innocent game. Oh, it's okay to read my horoscope. That's just innocent. It's not just innocent. There's direct connection to demonic activity. So rather than trying to use God, church, for our own personal gain, like these sons of Sceva, rather than try to use God, well, God, if, if you come through for me, then I'll do this. Or Lord, you know how bad I need that job right now. Or Lord, I don't know if this is working. Let me, let me read my, uh, my, my horoscope for today. That's probably better than God. So rather than using God for our own personal gain like these sons of Sceva did, perhaps we should be following the example of Paul and look to be used by God for his glory. How can we be used by God for his glory? Now, I'm not saying that, hey, um, you know, I was teasing one of the members the other day. I said, I'm going to take my, my handkerchief and I'm going to wipe my head with it. I'm going to pass it around. So I told him what I was going to be doing today. That's not what I'm saying, okay? I want us to see how it is that, that we should be used by God to accomplish his will and bring him glory. And it may not be what you think. As we read this passage of scripture, we quickly notice God. Uh, we quickly notice what God was doing, and He was doing uh, this work through Paul. And we notice that Paul's not trying to make sure that people are following after him. We don't. We don't have a record of that. That Paul's running around saying, "Hey, everybody, follow after me." In fact, in verse seventeen, we read that the name of Jesus 
is magnified, not the name of Paul is magnified. And if we look at verse 20, it says the word of the Lord continued to increase. It does not say the, the word of Paul continued to increase. Paul wanted to exalt Christ and he wanted to be used for the glory of God. But let me ask you something. Have you ever wondered just in your life, how can, how can I be a person that's used by God to accomplish his will, and to bring him glory. Have you ever wondered that as a believer? How is it as a believer that I can be used by God to, to accomplish his will and to bring him glory? Do you ever wonder how you can bring God glory? Do you ever wonder how God can you use me? I want to look at that um, in this closing little bit this morning. How can you and I be used by God? First of all, First of all, be a person of integrity. Be a person of integrity. Can I just be honest? It's not good when a person lacks integrity, especially as a believer. The sons of Sceva were trying to use spiritual power for money, but Paul, when he was short on money, what did he do? Did he use spiritual power? Did he just speak it? I mean, this is Paul. Paul was a great man. Did he just, do we have record of him just speaking money into existence? We have no record of that. What did he do when he was short on money? He went out and worked. That's what Paul did. He made tents to earn some extra money. We looked at that a few weeks ago. That's, that was Paul's trade. He was a tent maker. And so when he ran out of money, Okay, it's important to note the churches were supporting him, but when he didn't have money, he went and made some tents. Paul had a right to be supported, but he didn't use that right to hinder the gospel. You know, I can remember a church wanting to hire me to be their pastor at one time a while back. Not since I've been here, okay? So nobody, like, what are you talking about? A while back. And they wrote out their compensation package. And I sat with them and I showed them, I, I, I wrote down and showed them how much money it took for a guy that has a family and, and that sort of thing um, to live. And I showed them how their package was not enough to cover even my bills. But I didn't just leave it there. I wasn't like, well, see, I'm, I'm in high demand, folks, because really, really I wasn't. <laughs> so, you know, I was preaching wherever I could. But, uh, but instead, I, I kind of walked them through and said, hey, you know what? Maybe you guys really need to be looking in the direction of hiring someone that's, that's retired. Or, or even you got to look at, at, if you want a pastor, you need to hire someone that's bivocational. It was not done to be mean. It was done to help them see what they needed to do as a church. And, and so that I wouldn't be a hindrance to their church, I, I could have said, well, yeah, I'll take this position, then became a hindrance to the, to the church. When the scripture here talks about Paul's handkerchiefs and his apron, these were his work clothes. Okay, they were the work clothes of Paul. The handkerchief was used to wipe the face, kind of like what we do today. And I don't mean like Paul was preaching so hard and he's up there doing this and then he's throwing it out there to people. Okay, that's not what was going on. This was used in his work environment. The apron would go down to the ankles and, and it was used as part of, uh, of his job. Can you imagine being Paul coming into work one day and suddenly your apron's gone? Like, 
I know I put that over there. Where'd that thing go? I've seen some of these TV people send out a piece of cloth. And they say, if you will make a donation and send that that cloth back with your donation, this is an anointing cloth. And, And we'll pray over that. And you'll be healed. I've gotten these things in the mail. Or they'll send you, they'll send you that cloth and they'll say, take, take that cloth and pray for a financial miracle that you need and then send it back with your generous gift. And, and that shows that you really have faith in the Lord and that he's going to supply your need. And then we'll take that cloth and we'll pray over it. And, and of course, God will grant you your gift because after all, that person has special connection to God. I'm not telling you this to make fun of anyone. It's not my goal. I'm saying this, church, because it's heresy. It's flat-out heresy. These people, and I'm going to make a strong statement, and I know it's probably not going to be popular, but these people are not doing the work of God They're doing the work of Satan. They are leading people straight into the depths of hell. Look at Paul. He had some stinky, smelly rags and aprons just that he worked with. And it was not magic. They were just symbols of his trade, of of Paul's servant heart and how God uh, used Paul and, and And God chose to release his power through these items. Paul was committed to Christ. Paul had been beaten for Christ. He worked for Christ. He called himself a slave of Christ. He didn't just talk it. He didn't just say, oh, well, look how great I am. He lived it. And the power of God was real. And it worked through him because he was a man that was willing to do whatever it took to bring God glory. But he didn't compromise who he was. We don't have Paul compromising his integrity. Look at verse 15. It says, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Even the demons recognize Paul. Demons have no power over a man like Paul, who was a man of integrity, fully devoted to God. And so if you want to be a person that brings glory to God and that's used by God, be a person of integrity. Be a person that says, I'm going to live for the Lord no matter what. I'm not out here to please man, but I'm going to please God no matter the cost. Secondly, be a person of repentance. Be a person of repentance. Sometimes I think one of the hardest things to do is to be a person of repentance. Let's read verses 18 and 19 again. Also many of those who were now believers came confessing and divulging their practices and a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. Some of these folks were holding on to their magic, to their occult practices. Perhaps they were, they were doing so just in case Jesus didn't work out for them. Remember Ephesus, a town of, of magic arts 
and they were holding on to these things. And look what they did. They publicly, they publicly confessed their sin. And to prove that they were repentant, they burned their books. They burned them. They did it publicly. They didn't do it in secret like, hey guys, let's have a secret little bonfire and burn our books. They didn't do it in secret. They did it publicly for everybody to see. You know, recently I had a young man that, that um, used to be in my student ministry when I was down in, in southern Illinois. And uh, I was looking through Facebook like I like to do and, and I noticed that his girlfriend was uh, pregnant. This young man was in ministry. He led music before me when I was a student pastor. And I sat there and, and I went back and forth for two or three days. I was like, well, should I message him and, and say something to him? I mean, this is, obviously this is, this is sinful, you know, that he's obviously committed sin. Should, should I, you know, say something in a, in a message? And it wasn't maybe a day later that this young man 20, 21, that's probably 20. Put on, put on his Facebook publicly for everybody to see. Says, I committed sin. I'm going to love this, this baby, but I committed sin. It was a sinful act what I did. And I've asked for forgiveness. And I thought, man, what character for a young man so young. He, he's, uh, they've, they've been married and looking forward to their baby. But I thought, what? That just spoke volumes. These guys, they publicly burn their books. And before we think it's some small price to pay, look what it said. Did you read that? It said 50,000 pieces of silver. If these... Pieces of silver were actually a drachma. One drachma was a day's wage. At today's wages, this would amount to roughly $5 million. They could have sold those, they could have sold those books and built a new sanctuary. Right? <laughs> but they didn't want anyone else to be led astray by spiritual deception. So they burned them. Have you ever done that? Have you ever burn something that was of value to you because you didn't want someone else to stumble? Have you ever done that in your life? Maybe it was some dirty magazines or videos. Maybe it was some sort of music. Maybe it was something else. I can remember um, uh, when I was a young teenager, I was into this filthy rap music and, and I used to listen to it all the time and sadly some of those lyrics are still stuck in my head and, and I hate it sometimes. And I used to listen to that garbage and I can remember uh, taking and, and in a burn barrel, because we lived out in the country, putting those cassettes. Yes, they were cassettes. I know what those were. And it stuck them in that burn barrel and burning them. True repentance requires us to turn from our sin and take steps to, to not return. And sometimes that means that we have to take extreme measures. If we claim, if you and I claim to be followers of Christ and we hold on to sinful practices in our lives, then God's power is hindered in us. 
If you want to be used by God to bring, to bring Him glory, then be a person of repentance. That means when you sin, get right with God and repent. And if you need to repent to someone else and share that and do it publicly, then you do it publicly. That's just what you do because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ and to be a person of repentance. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy because some of the hardest things to do is to publicly say, I messed up. I messed up. It's hard to be a person of repentance. But that's what we see here. Thirdly, you want to be a person used by God? Be a person who magnifies the name of Jesus. When verse 19 says the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled, that, that word means magnified. Paul didn't ever run around proclaiming how great he was. He didn't do that. He didn't name that church in Ephesus. This is the church of the Apostle Paul. I doubt he had out on the church sign in front Come and see Paul's mighty healing service. We'll see that. Paul exalted Jesus Christ. Can you imagine if someone took your sweatband and sent it to someone else and that person was healed? Can you imagine that? That could give you a pretty big head, don't you think? That's probably why the Lord never does anything like that with me. My head's big enough. You know, I don't need anything else. Give me a big head. That's what happened with Paul. Is these garments taken and people are being healed. We don't see Paul getting a big head. Paul wanted the name of Christ lifted up and exalted. Listen, if God works through you, if God does something through you, church, exalt the name of Christ. If He uses you in some way, Exalt the name of Christ. If you're able to help someone financially because God has gifted you financially, exalt the name of Christ. You don't go around being like, well, you know, I got a pretty large income, so I was able to help that person over there do what they needed to do. No! You exalt the name of Christ. It's not about you. It's not about me. We exalt the name of Christ. If you want to be used by the Lord to bring Him glory, then exalt the name of Jesus Christ. Fourthly, and lastly, be a person who proclaims the Word of God and the Gospel. Be a person who proclaims the Word of God and the Gospel. They were teasing in Sunday school class this morning about how I seem to work this into every sermon. They said, well, you tired of hearing about it yet? This is what we're called to do, church. Proclaim the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul could have looked at all these people that were being healed through 
through him. Paul could have easily thought, man, I could draw huge crowds. If I set up a healing service, think of all the crowds that would gather. Instead, he preached the gospel. He proclaimed the word of God. It says in verse 20 that the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Miracles don't always cause people to believe, though sometimes they do. However, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the scripture clearly tells us, is the power for salvation for all who believe. God uses the foolish preaching of the cross of Christ to save souls. Church, the scripture is clear. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We have to be focused on proclaiming the word of God and the gospel. All of Washington, Illinois is not saved. I know I walk around the city. I'm, I'm, I go to stores and they're not all saved. All of Tazewell County is not saved. All of Illinois is not saved. All of of the United States of America is not saved. All the world's not saved. There are people who have never even heard the name of Jesus. Never heard it. Not once. And yet we get to hear it all the time. We get to sing about it. They've never even heard his name. Church, we have to preach the gospel if we want to be used by God to bring him glory we have to be a people of integrity we have to be a people of repentance we have to magnify the name of Jesus we must proclaim the word of God in the gospel and we cannot be distracted can God work miracles today? I believe he can does he work them today? I believe sometimes he does, though not nearly as often. In fact, I believe healings and deliverance from demons are pretty rare today. But I would also say that God sometimes does the supernatural today in terms of healing and other things. But as far as the gift of healing that we see here, that Paul's gifted with, I believe that was limited to the apostles and their close associates. I do not believe that these faith healers that we see on TV are really healing anyone. I know they don't see the results that the apostles saw. And I would also say this, if God so chose to heal someone through your prayers or even deliver someone from demonic oppression through you, then I believe we should be available to him. To do it. But we should never try to use powers for our own glory, but always seek to give Him glory. Church, do you want to see God at work in our church? 
Do you want to see God at work in your life? Do you want to see his will done? Do you want to bring him glory? Then we don't try to use God for our personal gain. I don't know about you, but you know, I want I want our church to grow just like anybody else. But it's not about First Baptist Kingdom. It's about God's. And we should be seek to be used by Him. Therefore, we must be people of integrity. We must be humble and repentant. We must magnify the name of Jesus. And we must proclaim the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Perhaps this morning you'd say, Pastor, I don't do that. I'm not doing that. That's not a part of my everyday life. Then, Then I'd just invite you to be a person of repentance today. And you don't have to come down here and I'll be standing down there if you want somebody to pray with you or something like that. You don't have to do that. You can do it right there in your pew. You can call out to God and you can repent right in your pew. But I'm just saying, church, that we have to be, we have to be these people that are repentant and humble and people of integrity and magnifying the name of Jesus and proclaiming the word of God. And so maybe today you say, if I'm not doing that, I need to, I need to start. By being a person of repentance, saying, Lord, I'm not living it out in my life. I repent of that. And maybe you need to take the first step because you don't even know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And today you need to take the very first step and, and be a person of repentance again because you felt the Lord do a work in you this morning. And He's revealed to you for the first time that you don't know Christ as your Savior. I'll be standing down front. If you need someone to pray with, I'd be glad to pray with you. If you want to come up here and pray, you can do that. It's not to be showy. It's just to do business with the Lord. If you don't want to do that, that's fine. But if that's something you like to do, here in a moment we're going to sing a song and I'll be down there. love to pray with you. love to talk with you. You can do anything that I can if the Lord's spoken to you this morning. Let's close with prayer.